0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 191. In this episode, we chat about workflow go actions, third party cookies, and what Chrome's upcoming crackdown on that means, plus Instagram e commerce. And oh, Craig, I'm feeling like a McMuffin. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focus podcast, where we discuss HubSpot's tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your sales and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Founder. With me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. Hi, Craig. Well, good. But you got to be thinking about McMuffins now. And so, coming up in
1: shot seven, we're going to talk about quite a brilliant billboard branding billboard ad.
0: Now, listeners, thank you for those who have connected with us on LinkedIn. And if you haven't, please connect with us and send us a note to so say that you listen, so that we know that you've actually listened to the podcast. That would greatly help us because we'd. Love to help you guys.
1: Hey, have you had many connections uh, lately? I've had a couple, Craig, but I—I've had so many people connecting with me on LinkedIn, and I—I'm like, oh wow, you're this. famous,
0: Craig. Well, but then. <laughs>
1: I would say probably 80% of them. Then, as soon as I connect, they reply, oh, thanks for connecting here. I'm going to sell something at you. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's happened. I was like, oh, wow. so how why is this suddenly ramped up? In this? Someone found the LinkedIn profile we put in the show notes. I'm just getting spammed. I don't know why it's <laughs> picked up, but anyway. So Craig. To, to, well, just let me say to the to the nice listeners who have connected, I do appreciate uh, connecting <laughs> with you. Thank you, Anne, for the nice comments. Yes, and, we do. And I appreciate. for not immediately trying to sell me something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Craig, our growth thought of the week, what do you think that should be? I think it should be focus. Focus. And, and why I say is like we're halfway through a quarter essentially in uh twenty twenty. And I just want people to understand that it's really important to stay focused because you might have started with some great plans and you might be thinking, oh, I'm thinking about what's coming up and actually forgetting about what's actually important now. So I really want to encourage people, stay focused, go back and review your plans. Pull that sheet of paper that you wrote plans on or if you've got it on your computer, stick it somewhere. I don't notice you, Craig, have stuck it right in front of your monitor so you can it's right in your field of vision. And I think it's great. Just need to refocus be aware of what you need to do and say no to stuff. You've taught me that really well, so thank you.
1: Oh, well, and thank you for reminding me about that. And of course, I've just had a weekend away with my business coach and getting back to focus on things. And that's right, that's why I've got it stuck right above my monitor, the 10 key things that I need to focus on. And you're absolutely right, the key to focus is saying no to more things.
0: All right, Craig, our HubSpot Marketing Feature of the Week. And we love this, don't we? And I just stumbled upon this uh, recently when I was fixing up a workflow for a customer of ours and I saw the go action in contact workflows. I got so excited, Craig. I know. And so, listeners, if you're a new HubSpot
1: customer, you might have had this in your portal for a while, even in contact workflows, and you'd be thinking, what? This has been there for ages. How come? It's the two turkeys (laughs) podcast, Why are the two turkeys? Well, here's the situation. HubSpot has basically replaced their workflow engine for contacts over the past year. And so I, th- I don't know when it started. I think it was even like the middle of last year. They've got a new workflow engine for contacts. So if you, you had a portal last year, a new portal then, you got the new workflow engine underneath it. But for those of us who have had HubSpot for many years, we've had the old one while they've tested thoroughly that moving things over uh, to us legacy users, I guess – doesn't break anything and i have to say it's been seamless if i didn't know about this back channel kind of explanation of what's been going on i would have had no idea but we finally got it in in our own contact workplace it's actually been in deals and And other workflows uh, for a while but yeah it's just
0: contact so all the old hubspot diehards we've got it now yay so damesh if you're listening thank you and to the product team and the development team they've done a great job
1: I have to say, things like this, the migration, people, you and I are both software engineers in our background, so we realize the amount of work that goes on to make something appear like nothing's changed, but it actually has. This is pretty good. I've had no side effects. I haven't noticed any problems with it. It's, yeah, it's really good.
0: All right, Craig, HubSpot sales feature of the week. And I want to say this is about collecting organization-specific lead sources As a contact property. So, generally, I would name this. So, in the show notes, I put one as the HubShots lead source. So, you make it specific to your business and have a drop down with the particular lead sources that you would want to track. So, for example, I'll use an example as being a builder that we work with. They run radio ads, they run magazine ads, have display homes that people walk into in a display village. Plus a few other things, referrals being another one, let's say, so we track this because one thing that I've been doing is people land on the site, they look around, they don't convert, so they never put a contact form in. We actually run a remarketing ad to tell those people to visit a display home, and it's really clear, you know, visit one of our displays, you know click the link, heres the locations. And then what we did was we put this in this particular contact property, and we trained the sales team in the display house to when people walked in, they say, "Oh, how did you find us?" And then when they ask that question, some people say, "Oh, I looked, I saw a social ad, or I saw, I saw you on on a search." But how we tracked the effectiveness of this ad was they say, "Oh, I actually saw an ad to visit the display home." And so, I know it's working. So, that's why I said this is really key to understanding how people are finding you. And if it, if people are actually calling, then that should be another one that's in that list that whoever answers the phone actually writes that or selects as an option, but then actually asks the question. A great way to understand which channel is producing results for you.
1: That's a really good tip and a really good example of combining the online and offline because that's an offline activity really coming into a display home. And also a lot of times we can't connect the dots. It's like, oh, well, you saw an ad? Ant- oh, I saw you on TV. I saw you on a bus show. I saw you on a billboard, which we might be coming up with later. So it's about closing that loop really. And I think what I really liked about you mentioning it is that that then validated or um, confirmed that budget should continue to be spent in those channels because you're actually getting that verification
0: that it worked. So you know what's really interesting? I was doing this little exercise with a customer of ours this week because they changed their provider who was running some Facebook ads. And what they were doing was they were running the ads. They don't they don't HubSpot users. They're running the ads. Contacts were coming in, so they were telling telling the business we were working with. Oh look, there's there's ten contacts come in, say right, but in our list because the last conversion point was, uh, let's like say the they think the last conversion, or well, the first conversion point was Facebook. So they're thinking, oh, I'm going to attribute that. But then what we found out when we looked at the contacts and we created a list saying, oh, they, they actually interacted with this uh, Facebook campaign, we actually found out half of those leads already existed in HubSpot from different sources. Some were walk-ins, some had come from organic search, some had come from a paid Google ad. But their last touch essentially for those five was a Facebook ad. So it was really interesting because they were saying, well, we've just got 10 leads, but no, they really got five. And the other five were already in there. So it's really interesting because you see people have these multiple touch points along their journey and people forget like in HubSpot, we're always looking at the first touch. But if you're running ads or you're looking at attribution, you'll actually see there are multiple touch points along that journey that people have before they even maybe inquire with you. Alright, onto our HubSpot extra of the week, Craig. HubSpot and Cookies. Now, you know what? Some people would ask me about this. What is going on with cookies? I've had a few clients, few
1: savvy clients, actually ask about this because they've heard that Chrome is cracking down on third party cookies. And so then they understandably think, oh well, third party cookie, that's from a site that isn't my site. So therefore, HubSpot script, tracking script, that's from a different site. That's not going to work on my site. Oh, Google Analytics isn't going to work. Facebook Pixel's not going to work, et cetera, et cetera. So they get quite concerned, understandably, about this. So nothing to worry about in HubSpot tracking. The new Chrome update, not going to be a problem. But we're going to link to a blog post that Ari wrote on the HubSpot blog where he breaks this down. And it's perfect for sending to your boss or to anyone on the team that's worried about it. He describes and explains the difference between first and third-party cookies. He looks at what Chrome's requiring, which is basically uh, an update to how you mark the cookie to mention that for a security um, annotation. And then he also just makes mention of Safari's crackdown on cookies, which is actually far more impactful. It still will track, but the problem with Safari is it actually deletes those cookies after seven days. So it means if you're tracking visitors, our Safari visitors, and they come back two weeks later, it'll actually look like a new visitor. So we lose a bit of tracking on Safari. Interestingly, in their their blog post, he says, Oh, but uh Safari is a distance fourth in terms of browser uh usage uh globally. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this is just anecdotal or confirmation bias, but I've been noticing when we're in our clients with our clients when we're digging through the good quality leads, quite often they're Safari users. Mm. So volume might be lower, but quality, I think maybe that's just the clients we work with. But that does concern me. So I don't as easily dismiss Safari users, ah, not being a problem, that's cracking down. But the summary is nothing to be worried about in terms of tracking for HubSpot tracking or Google Analytics tracking. And there's a, a really good blog post that spells it all out if you want the details.
0: Really interesting, considering Google has analytics and lots of analytics scripts, style scripts running on to track conversion. Et well, cetera. I mean
1: that that should have been the giveaway from the start. There's no way Google's going to update Chrome and oh, break Google Analytics or, or something like oh, that. Oh, Google Ads tracking. <laughs> yeah, Google Ads tracking. Yeah, but I think the way that Chrome, when they initially did the announcement, which I think was it was before Christmas when I was reading about it. I was a little bit confused and concerned myself. I was like, what's going on? It's because I think that announcement was written by developers, not marketers. So the way it was written out was quite technical and kind of confusing for people who aren't necessarily used to those technical details. So thankfully, HubSpot has broken it down and made it clear.
0: Fantastic. Now, Craig, what's a HubSpot gotcha of the week? Big shout out to Chris Higgins.
1: Yes. Uh, and thanks for listening, Chris. Appreciate uh, uh, all your kind words and uh, support over the years. And he sent me through his his gotcha. and This is a good one, actually. And I, I, I actually checked this and tested it. I realized, yeah, it is actually a problem. Now, what it's to do with is notifications on certain types of conversations. So in HubSpot, you've got conversations. You may be aware that you can have a team email inbox. You can have a chat inbox. You know, you can connect Facebook okay. Messenger or have a chat widget pop up, and you can also have suf- support, support forms as an input into conversations. Here's the gotcha: when an a team inbox uh, one comes in or a chat comes in, you can get a notification about that. But when a support form uh, conversation comes in, it doesn't notify you. So you want your regular notifications. Well, that's Chris has highlighted this and he's actually pointed out two community articles. So you can go and vote it up and say, oh, we'd like this as a feature. I wish there was a way to say vote this up as a definite bug. But anyway, the feature is we we won't. (laughs) The feature would be to stop not not notifying us and in fact, notify us as an option. I put a screenshot, by the way, of your notification option. So you can kind of get a sense where it should fit in. However, the other thing I tested is because we have all our conversations go to Slack. Because, well, I actually don't want email notifications. We just want it going to a Slack channel. So we have a few different, I guess, conversations for our different businesses. One is for our Zen, one's for some others. And so we've got them set up to go to Slack channels. So we're always on Slack and we go, oh, there's a new conversation come in or whatever. And someone jumps in um, to respond to it. Well, those support form ones don't come through to Slack either. Now, it's possible I've missed something somewhere because what is interesting is when the email notifications come in, those do go to Slack. However, when you look at the settings, it's, it should seem as though only chat conversations would go to Slack, but I actually get team inbox ones come through. So perhaps there's another setting I've set somewhere because they're all over the place. You know, yes, There's notifications here on your personal profile, and then there's other things on the conversations inbox setup. Correct. So it is kind of confusing. I've always found conversations to be a slightly non-intuitive experience, I have to say, out of character for HubSpot. But when you do get it working, it works beautifully. Anyway, great gotcha um, by Chris. Thanks for sending that through. Thanks for listening. And listeners, go and vote it up to get that feature <laughs> added. That would be wonderful.
0: All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. We're talking about brand reinforcement. Now, you showed me this ad, which is an ad in the UK, right? It is. It's a billboard in the UK. It's hard
1: to kind of explain this because it's visual, but why don't you try and describe the billboard?
0: Yes. So, just think of the billboard as a very plain and it has five words from top to bottom, right? And nicely arranged, right aligned. The first word says muffin. The second word says egg. The third one says sausage. The fourth one says cheese. And then we end with a muffin, Craig. What does that remind you of? It's so brilliant, this, because
1: there is no branding.
0: That's and right. And
1: if, I mean, some people would would not recognize it, but I think most people would say, oh, that's McDonald's. That's a McMuffin there. But there's no Macca's logo. There's no use of the nothing. word McMuffin. The font is beautiful. Yes, it's not even Mac, it's not even McDonald's font, is it? I, there's nothing in there. It's very I'm plain. Not sure, I, I'm not sure about that. But it is just, this is a perfect
0: brand you know reinforcement. Oh, sorry. Yeah, what? The colours are really interesting. Like the mm. muffin is a muffin colour. The egg is white. The sausage is a brownie colour. Yeah. The cheese is yellow and ending with a muffin on a dark brown background, which is really fascinating, right? So really there's nothing on there that says it is McDonald's. There's nothing. Right. But if you
1: know Macca's and who doesn't, I'd love to see some kind of poll. I don't know how you could poll it to work, work out how many people – understand it, I would suggest that the majority of people would see this and go, oh yeah, that's a a McDonald's uh, egg McMuffin, right? This is brand reinforcement. This is not awareness. It's not like anyone doesn't know about it, but this is purely for people going along and going, ah, you know what? I'm feeling hungry all of a sudden and stopping in at Macca's if if that's what they do. You
0: know, I wonder if this is on a freeway somewhere in the UK, on on a motorway. And not far from this billboard was a McDonald's. (laughs) And I wonder if they saw an increase in sales.
1: I'd love to know that. And I'm sure they track all of that very carefully. I'm sure they've got an answer to it. But this is – I just love this. It's gold. It is gold. And and I think it also – For somehow, it kind of positions McDonald's a little bit more upmarket for a McMuffin. Can you (laughs) believe that? So anyway, why have we got this in the show? I don't know, except to say I was just really um, impressed with it. And also, I think to take your point, which is brand reinforcement. This is something that they would be testing and measuring. They would be running this billboard, checking the response. Does it impact sales and things like that? I, I hope they publish the results. I'd love to know.
0: All right, Craig, Onto our inside of the week. You know what I found interesting about this was I was reading this article. I can't remember where I found it. It's about Instagram e-commerce. And then I shared it with you and you said, oh, I was just reading that too. <laughs> so we were either reading the same newsletter. How fascinating is this? Now, listeners, there's a link to this. And it's basically talking about young kids using Instagram as a platform to facilitate trade of clothing, I think it was. Oh, was it secondhand clothing
1: it is yeah, yeah. They, it, well um, this particular article is talking about uh, school kids that go to their local thrift shop yes get some clothes and then they package them up and sell them and they're using Instagram at, for its visual capabilities to style it and say here's what this one looks <laughs> like here's a hoodie you know here's a jacket yeah and these and they call it thrifty um threads yeah. and things Correct. like that because they're like 25 bucks and what's really interesting is this whole uh what's What's the word I'm after that means the process that they it's almost like You mean they have a worked out process for the sale? Yeah. yeah. So there's an understood method of bidding Correct. and saying, Oh, I will bid this five dollars, twenty-five, or there's a buy it now price, which is the B I N the bidding price, twenty-eight dollars. And if you pay twenty-eight, that includes shipping. If you and people bid on it until someone says, Oh, I'll pay this and they win and then then it goes, it's all final, okay. then it all goes into direct message d m s where they talk about payments, things like that, working out shipping details, and it's it's a bit of an honor system in a way because you could go and bid and then you know just to disrupt them and waste their time, but you know there's none of that people are engaged. I think it's really interesting here's the thing though just and like I hate to say it, you know the reason I keep my Facebook shares, even though <laughs> they make me choke. It's just because as soon as they put um, e-commerce payments payments into the platform natively, it's like Instagram is going to be the shopping platform. Yeah, it's going to be what saves Facebook in the long term, right? Correct. Instagram, e-commerce. And it's amazing that it's still so clunky Mm. that they've got to DM this, my uh, Venmo details or PayPal details. Oh, can you DM me your shipping details and all of that? Surely it's coming. They're probably I'm testing. Sure it, it's but it's coming. just going to be a buy button. Correct. And it'll include everything. Payment will be made on the platform. Yes. Shipping details straight there. You know the seamless experience we've had with um Shopify, which Correct. well, it does have some friction still in it, but if you're regularly logged into Shopify, it's across all the platforms. It's just seamless, right? It's almost like a text and a bang. Right. It's done. By the way, um, go the extra shout out to Justin and uh we'll put a we'll put a link into his Coco Samoa. Cacao nibs. How do you pronounce it, by the way? Is I think it... you
0: did pretty good, Craig. Cacao nibs. Seamless. In terms of yes. seamless.
1: Yeah. And Instagram, it's just where it's going to be. It's right? right for the picking. I mean, everyone knows that Instagram's going to be the e commerce platform. That Anyway, this is a classic example of this is school kids, by the way.
0: You know what? I'll take my hats off to them. They were doing this in their breaks before school, after school, in between activities and making money. I think that range from like 700 up to $1,500 a month they were making from this. You know what? I take my hats off to them for being entrepreneurial. That's pretty good pocket
1: money. Can you just go and put the bins out and you get your pocket? No, thanks, uh, Dad. I'm, I'm making a ton more money. i doing my little thrifty Instagram. But look, it's not just clothing. It's all kinds of things you can do. Totally. Just, yeah. It's you kind know of what? And this eBay what's, replacement. What's yeah.
0: really interesting, I've just talked to a lot of my friends recently. They're all going, oh, have you used Facebook Marketplace? It's so fantastic. And they're actually now they, they used to use things like eBay, Gumtree in Australia, and they're all now just posting things on Facebook uh, Marketplace and getting them sold. And they're they're like, oh, I didn't even know this existed, but there you go. There's another one that's up for the up for the picking right there. All right, Craig, onto our HubSpot throwback of the week.
1: And this is where we just look at what HubSpot was announcing. A year ago. And what what was on the cards then?
0: So, there were two things. There were improved suggestions in the SEO tool, Craig, which we spoke about last week. And they were letting us create automated emails in plain text within workflows without having to actually go and create the email in the email editor.
1: And you know what I saw in that? Speaking of when we're looking at the HubSpot Go action... A year ago when they announced it, you could do it in all the workflows except contact workflows, which would be coming soon. So that was another indication then that the contact workflows were in the older legacy workflow engine, I think. Yes. But yeah, just little time-saving features. It's funny when you look at
0: all these things, like some of, that was just a year ago. I'm often amazed at those little incremental improvements that happened every month. Didn't happen quite so much every month last year, but most months and you see where we are today like we're having a whole different experience and a whole different conversation with prospective customers and existing customers even just the things we can do with pop-up forms in terms of how we segment manage show not show etc and i love that and that's what one of the things we've been doing is going to all our customers that use marketing professional enterprise it's like hey instead of having these one-dimensional pop-up forms let's now create a series of them and start showing different messages, ask different questions at different times, and give a better customer experience. Now, Craig, you've got a resource of the week, which is yet another Chrome SEO extension. Oh,
1: I'm a sucker for Chrome extensions, SEO tools. This is one by Detailed, and it's quite a simple one, a good one to use. I mean, I know many people use the Moz um, one. There's tons of them rush and stuff.
0: Now, why would they want to use this, Craig?
1: Uh Just for its simplicity. So what it does, it'll quickly tell you the page titles, keywords, canonicals. It'll actually spell out the headers on the page, uh, internal linking, things like that. And why would someone use it? So just a handy tool when you're analyzing a page. I don't know if you ever do this. A client goes, oh, this is this page. And you just have a quick look to see if it's optimized, how they've done things. This is just another tool for that. So, you know, your, your mileage may vary. Some people like those really detailed ones. This is quite a nice, simple, well-laid-out one.
0: All right, Craig, our quote of the week. They're both by Jeff Bezos. And the first one is, it's not an experiment if you know it's going to work. That's what we say, test and measure, right? So I think that's so apt, what we've been talking about. Now, here's the bonus. We see our customers as invited guests to a party. And if we are the hosts, it's our job every day to make every important aspect of the customer experience a little bit better. Be a good host. Now, Craig, got a podcast of the week and this is from Noah Kagan's podcast and he, he interviewed a guy called David Selinger and I really found it fascinating. He, he was an early employee at Amazon when he was a kid. I, well, when I say kid, he was like in his 20s. And he actually worked um, directly with Jeff for like two years. Then he went on to co-found Redfin, which is now a $2.4 billion company. And he has now invented the next big thing in home security called Sentinel, where he's used artificial intelligence and what would be traditional security and made it really affordable, but having using a i to figure out when things are happening and having live guards on these screens talking back to people so in in essence negating a lot of things that happen because people when they're seen and they are about to do something, if someone says, "Hey, I can see you, Craig, put that parcel down right <laughs> and people people go right they're like they don't want to be caught." So having that live experience with somebody walking up and he taught, it was a really fascinating interview, how he had started that, how he'd been at Amazon and the things he'd done with Jeff Bezos, some of the things that he had to go through and how how he got his start. It was really fascinating, like very fascinating in understanding how life can change and the things that people can do and whether he would do it again. So I'd encourage you to listen to it.
1: That is definitely going straight onto the listening queue. And Sentinel, what a great name.
0: It is. like something on,
1: out of Terminator oh, or um, The Matrix or something like that. You should go
0: and watch the videos on the site. I was actually watching it at the end while we were preparing the show notes because I thought, oh, I've got to go watch He goes, his challenge at the end of his interview was go watch two videos. And he goes, I don't know how you could not want to have the system after watching it, which is really fascinating. And there were some really good insights into understanding how he has tried to understand how people are buying his product or why they buy the product or what has been blockers in him getting them to buy the product. And you learn about the extensive research he's done, how he interviewed different security companies. He even went down to the the fact of like when you have a security guard on premise, like so you hire someone who is sitting on a premise, he goes, you know what, one of the key th- things I remembered this morning was he was like, These guys know they've got to stay awake to to guard your property, right? He goes, but to them, it was actually not about guarding the property. That was not the first thing in their mind. The first thing in their mind was, how do I stay awake for this entire period of time? So, you know, two o'clock, I'm doing push-ups. Three o'clock, I'm doing sit-ups. Four o'clock, I'm doing something else. Five o'clock, I need to be having my coffee. And they were just more concerned about actually keeping themselves awake so they could do their job as opposed to, I need to do my job. (laughs) which is really fascinating. And so he was like, well, how do I solve this problem to this inherently really boring job that is almost soul destroying? Like, how do I make it better? And how do I make it efficient? And that's essentially what he's done with a subscription, I think, that starts at $50 a month, which is like, blows your mind. Take my money. <laughs> that's what he said. He said, after you watch it, you that's what exactly what you're going to say. Sold, Craig. Well, this is I hope you found this episode Enjoyable. Please do connect with us. Send us a note that you listened to the episode. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd also love if you could share with one person that you know that would benefit from this.
1: You know what? Um, send us an email with the word Sentinel in it and we'll send you some stickers. Because you've got some new stickers, I do. I've got new stickers. Hu- got new Hubshot stickers. That's right.
0: Send us your address in there, too, with the word Sentinel as the subject. Well, listeners, until next time, have a good evening and we'll see you next time, Craig. <laughs> Catch you later, Ian.
1: Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at
0: hubshots.com.